Hallelujah, hallelujah, praise God forevermore, praise God forevermore. Father, we just want to thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for the beginning of a new day. Thank you for your mercies, your grace, your goodness. Thank you, Almighty God, for the gift of life. Thank you, Almighty God, that we're still here. And Almighty God, we have come this morning to just thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Almighty God, that you are the faithful God. You are God Almighty and you are faithful. We thank you, we bless you, and we give you praise. This morning we ask Almighty God that your word will go out effectively, succinctly, directly, touching hearts and painting a picture of hope and action in the heart of someone today. In the name of Jesus, glorify yourself and edify your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Now, today I'll be talking about Here Comes the Dreamer. Here Comes the Dreamer. Now, last week I started a series on the Self Leadership Series. And in that series, the first topic I spoke about was the power of personal vision or the power of a personal vision, which means if you have a vision for your life, it will change 
your disposition towards life. It will change the decisions you make. It will actually change the kind of associations that you keep. The Bible makes us to understand that where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. Where there is no vision, people cast off restraint or people are out of control. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, where there is no vision, no revelation of God and his word, the people are unrestrained. In the KJV it says, the people perish. In the Passion Translation it says, the people quickly wander astray. And and in the CEB version it says, the people get out of control. So to be unrestrained, to perish, to wander astray and to get out of control are symptoms of someone who has lost sight of the vision for his life or our life. And what is vision? Vision is nothing but a mental picture of the result that you want to achieve. The vision is the mental picture of the results that you want to achieve. So let's say, for example, you have this longing, this dream in your heart that you want to be, for example, a doctor. That is a picture of the future. You are not yet a doctor right here where you are. Maybe you're a student. Maybe you're in secondary school. But you have this vision in your heart that you want to be a doctor. That vision, therefore, will help you to choose the right kind of friends even now. The right kind of relationships even now. The right kind of people that you hang out with even now. It will help you to choose and prioritize how you spend your time. It will help you to choose the kind of people that you hang out with. It will help you to choose uh, the value of time and what you spend your time to do. Whilst others might be going around partying and, you know, doing crack, you are here put, putting your, your head, um, putting your, your, your focus on your, on your books and studying and looking at biography of people that have gone ahead of you that have functioned and succeeded in that space that you want to go to. Essentially, time becomes so important to you because now you are focusing of where you on where you want to be. So a vision is a mental picture of the result that you want to achieve. I want you to really pay attention to that. A vision is a mental picture of the result you want to achieve. So you have a desire in your heart of a particular future that you you want to you want to uh, you want to have in your life, right? You have a desire in your heart of that future. That desire is not enough, but that desire must paint a picture, graphic. In your mind of what you want to become all right and that result that you are going to get in the future that picture of that result that you want to become in the future is the vision of your life it must be so clear it must be so strong that it makes the result to become real if you don't have such a vision the bible says you cast off restraint you cast off restraint and it doesn't matter we can do whatever we want to do so today, so today, I want to talk about Here Comes a Dreamer. Like I said last week, again, if you, have, if you missed last week's message, please go back and watch it on YouTube, the replays on YouTube. But today, I want to talk about Here Comes a Dreamer using the life of Joseph. I learned so much from the life of Joseph about a, a person who was given a dream by God at a young age and how situations along the way try to suffocate this vision. And how God came through for him. And some of the things I learned from Joseph are things that will be helpful for us. 
that in whatever area of life that you may find yourself, if you can learn the discipline, the tenacity, the, dog, the doggedness of Joseph to keep pushing forward for your dream, I tell you by the power of God that your dream, your vision will become a reality. Now, vision is important for many reasons. Vision inspires action, which means that when you have a vision for your life, it helps you to stay away from distraction. Vision has to be clear. If you have vision that is so fudgy, it doesn't evoke emotions, emotion in you to want to do something about it, then it's not a vision that is compelling enough. Your vision must be positive. You see, at times when you face challenges of life, you want to give up on your vision. You want to give up on your dream. But if the vision you have is so sharp, so clear, so positive, then it will help you to keep moving forward. You see, a vision based on fear may help you to fuel immediate action, but it will limit the result that you want to produce in your life. Why? Because it will talk, take you to, to become somebody who is into damage control instead of you to moving to get positive change. What about vision? Vision must be big enough. Your vision must be big enough. You must create a vision so big <laughs> that you are even afraid to start working on it. You know, the way to understand how vision is, is that at times when you, you can go back to when you were a, a, um, a younger person, maybe you're 10 or 12, you know, you have all these dreams about changing the world, of things you want to become, you know. And when you are saying some of your dreams to maybe possibly an adult, they think, oh man, this girl is just thinking all sort of weird stuff. But that dream that you have in your heart, you have not placed any limitation on it. You know why? Because you don't know any limitation in your mind as a young person. But as you grow older, they tell you, oh, don't dream again. You know, you're dreaming to be. Who do you think you are? Then they squash that dream away from you. I'm saying to you, if you can go back to how you used to be, how you can think outside of the box and think about things that could be, that can become, then you, can, you, you are bringing your vision alive because that vision is big enough create a big picture a bigger picture of the effect of your work than just solving the problem at hand if you have a vision that is too small it may not provide enough inspiration or generate enough energy to get you past the tough spots remember tough spots will come tough spots will come doesn't matter how it is tough spots will come but if that vision is so big enough it will keep propelling you forward you become a motivator itself a big vision will include a change in attitude. A big vision must include, the right kind of vision must include a change in attitude. So, if you face a challenge, instead of mourning and complaining, because you know that you are meant for more, you are meant for bigger and greater things, instead of mourning and complaining like everybody else in your school, in your office, around your neighborhood, you know what you will do? You go and do something about it. You know, I often found that at times, things that people complain about, they things that say, oh, I can't do anything about it, I can't do anything about it, they complain. But if you can do something about it, will you not do something about it? If you can do something about what it is that you're facing, the challenges that you're facing, you should just go ahead and do something about it. But when you complain and complain, you become a complainer, a moaner, and you know you could do something about it. Then, why are you complaining? So now, the, the thing with your vision is, when you have a vision, it will involve you to have a change in attitude. If that vision is so clear, and you know that you are meant for more, you are meant for bigger, when you face a small challenge 
on the way to actualizing your vision, instead of complaining and moaning, your attitude will be different. Your attitude will be positive because you know that whatever you are going through right now is a temporary challenge. Now, another thing that vision will do for you is vision will help you to understand your own personal role in making the vision to come alive. Now, these things I'm calling out, they are things that we will find out in the life of Joseph. And, and these things actually play out in the life of anyone who has made a positive change in their lives, you know, in this world. If you think your vision will come to light or will come to life without your own personal responsibility, then you have not understood the way God ordains vision. God ordains vision to include us. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 5, the Bible says that each one of us must make, must make an assessment of our lives. And we should take personal responsibility for our own lives. Let me read it for you in the, in the KJV. My team might put this out in the, uh, in, the, um, in the Passion Translation. But in the KJV, it says, actually, I'm going to start from verse 4. It says, let every man prove his own work. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Why? Because or for every man shall bear his own body. In the Passion Translation, it says something like this, that let everyone should do a careful exploration of what they have been called to do. And they should sink themselves into such work. And that each person must take personal responsibility for his own life. That's the way it's, it's presented in the, in the Passion Translation. Now, what does that have to do with you? It means that when you have a vision, vision will necessitate action on your part. I want you to really, 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 really note that. There's no such thing as a vision coming to life without personal responsibility. One of the things that God has given us as humans is the ability to take personal responsibility. We saw this in the life of Adam. Adam was placed on the earth. And God gave him the garden. God said, this is the garden. It is your responsibility to till it and to keep it. That's responsibility. But Adam did not till the garden. Adam did not keep the garden. Well, maybe he may have tilled the garden, but he didn't keep it. Definitely didn't keep it. Because if he had kept it, the devil would not come in and deceive his wife. And the devil came and tricked his wife. So Adam was irresponsible as it were. Now, is it that he doesn't know what responsibility means? That's not correct. Because in Genesis chapter 2... I believe verse 9 or thereabout, God brought the animals to Adam. And God said, Adam, now exercise your authority. Become responsible to discharge this duty and name the animals. And Adam did that. So Adam understood what responsibility meant. Adam understood what it means to be responsible, to take action. And Adam did exactly that. He took action. And God never doubted. So God never challenged Adam and said, Adam, why did you call this one chimpanzee and you call that one gorilla? God never did that. God said, whatever you say, Adam, I accept it. So your personal vision, the vision that you have been given, will not come to light or will not come to pass unless you are also personally responsible to do what God expects you to do in cooperation with that vision this point that i'm making here if i am able to get there to, today i will get there i will show you in the life of joseph how taking personal responsibility helped him to get to where he has to get to 
Remember, God already gave the prophetic. God already showed him what he was going to do. So, from the point of view of God, it is done. When God placed a vision in your heart, when God called you to do something, to become something, in the mind of God, that thing is as good as done. It is settled and done. But the bringing that thing to realization, to fruition, requires you to agree with God. It doesn't magically just show up. It requires you to agree with God. This point that I'm making, people of God, I want to labor it because a lot of people say, oh, if God will do it, God will do it. If God will do it, God will do it. Whatever will be, will be. That is wrong. Whatever will be, will not be. God already gave us responsibility. And as far as is concerned, he has released his, his potential, his way with us in your life. He has, is, as far as God is concerned, it's already done. But God says, as co-laborers in the vineyard of God, God is calling you and I to take responsibility. So, personal vision requires your personal role. When you have a personal vision for your life, you must determine, you must understand that that personal vision requires an engagement, your own responsibility in the matter. The last point I want to make about why the the, the tenet of vision is that vision is of the heart and it's not of the head. Don't say, oh, my vision is just something in my head. No. Vision is that pit that is exciting, that is compelling, that is in your heart, that never lets go. Therefore, you have to give yourself the freedom to dream. You have to use your imagination. You have to allow yourself to be able to see and feel what does not yet exist. A vision is not of the head, it's of the heart. You know, when God took Abraham to the land where God was going to give him in the book of Genesis, the first time that Abraham got to the land, I believe in Genesis chapter 12, God said to him, from where you are now, lift up your eyes and see, I'm going to give it to you. Which means God said to Abraham, well, as far as you can see, I will give to you. The question is, is God basically saying to Abraham, as far as the physical eyes can see, if God is only saying, as far as the physical eyes can see, Abraham cannot see beyond uh, a couple of kilometers from where he, he was standing. And that will not amount to much. That will not amount to where, what they have now occupied today in the land of Israel. It will not amount to that. Because they couldn't, he couldn't see beyond so much. So when God says to him, lift up your eyes now and see from wherever you, from where you are now, as far as your eyes can see, I will give to you. God is essentially saying, look into your heart. See the boundaries of the lands that I want to give you. Visualize it in your mind and see it. Now, if you can see it in your mind's eye and you can travel that journey in your mind's eye, God says, I am going to give it to you. Amen? Okay. All right. So, these points that I've raised now are the points that that will underpin the life of Joseph as we step into the message of today, which is, here comes the dreamer. Now, let's talk about Joseph. Joseph was one of the children of a man named Jacob. Jacob was the son of Isaac. Isaac was the son of Abraham. Abraham was the one that God says says to, through you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. 
So Abraham now is the father of faith. Abraham gave birth to Isaac when Abraham was a hundred years old. Abraham was already old and God gave him a child of promise. God made a promise to Abraham at 75 that he was going to bless him and he was going to bless the whole world through him. That promise came to realization when Abraham was a hundred years old. Abraham gave birth to a child named Isaac. Isaac by name means laughter. So at an old age, God brought laughter into the life, into the lives of Abraham and Sarah, his wife. Now Isaac now gave back to two children, Jacob and Esau. Okay, Jacob is the guy who we call the supplanter. He's the one that took the promise. He was the second child, but through some deceit, took the birth birth prize from his elder brother Esau. Call on to the short. Jacob had ended up have these many children, twelve children, twelve boys, as it were. And one of the children that he, he, he had was a man named Joseph. Joseph here has a gift of dreams. God shows him things before they happen. So we're going to be stepping through the book of Genesis chapter 37. I'm going to be reading a number of scriptures. That's why I say I might not be able to finish today. From Genesis chapter 37, I'm actually going to stop in Genesis chapter 41. 37 to 41. I'll skip through them, but there are lessons that God showed me over those four chapters of thereabouts that I believe that if you can get through to it, it will be massive blessings to the body of Christ. So you might call this this message today. Here comes a dreamer. Lessons from the life of Joseph or vision lessons from the life of Joseph. Okay. Let's go to Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 to 11 first. The Bible says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhal and the sons of Zilphar, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Joseph was bringing the report of how his brothers misbehaved to his father. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him or a, a, a robe of many colors in other translation. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheep rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Verse 9. Then he had another dream. And he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had with your mother and I? 
that they represent the sun and the moon here with your mother and i and your brothers those are the 11 stars actually come and bow down to the ground before you his brothers were jealous of him but his father kept the matter in mind so verse 5 says joseph dreamed a dream joseph dreamed a dream joseph dreamed a dream that is the beginning of the gift remember he was bringing the reports to of about his brothers their bad behaviors to their father to their father but that is not well that's the beginning of his trouble because now he's a he's a good boy he's always doing things right so they don't they didn't like him all right okay but that's not where his problem started from his problem started from the fact that the father the father loved him <laughs> more than the brothers which is a, a lesson for parents right the father foiled this jealousy among his own children by loving one child more than the other if you're a parent and you're listening to this do not i beg you show favoritism to any of your children if you show to one child that you love one child more than the other child you are going to cross cause enmity among the children you should never do that but this man made a mistake now remember joseph didn't cause this envy if you go back to verse 3 now israel loved joseph more than all his children because he was a son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors so jacob had a reason to love joseph more than his brothers this has nothing to do with whether they behave well or they didn't behave he just loved him because this boy was born to him by his wife the wife that he loved so much and the the child came when he was an old was an, was an older man so he loved him and then to show his love he bought him he made this call this beautiful coat this beautiful uh, coat for him to wear so when the boy is going out he's a fine boy he also now is dressing very well so his brothers the bible says they could not speak peaceably unto him which means when he shows up when he starts to play with them they are always trying to pick offense they are jealous of him all right and this was caused by who by the father the father caused this by choosing to love one child more than the other you should never love one child more than the other. I know it is possible for when you have two children where one is always obedient, always listens to you, and the other one is always, you know, uh, cantacaros. It's in the natural tendency it might be for you to, you know, show favoritism to one instead of the other. But don't do that because it will build, it will build animosity among these children. That's what happened here. So notice the point here with Joseph. Joseph at this point in time did not know the plan that God has for his life. He didn't know that. But Joseph already had enemy in the home front. Joseph already had enemy in the home front. Before he started at all, he already had enemy in the home front. Okay. His brother could not speak peaceably unto him. Verse 4. That's in the KJV. His brother could not speak peaceably unto him. They couldn't do it. They tried, they couldn't. Why anytime they try to speak peaceably to him, they just think about how the father loved him and is is showing favor to this child. The mere fact that he shows up in this color, this this sorry, this code that the father uh, made for him especially just winds them up. Then to make the matter worse, verse 5, Joseph dream a dream. And then he didn't keep his mouth shut, right? 
he began to speak about this dream to his brothers. Now, in this case, as we practicalize in this, use this to practicalize this. You know, this this session is looking to me is going to take longer than I thought, but I want to label it over and over. I'm sharing this especially for young people. If you are listening to this, so that you can pay attention. Joseph's story began with this dream, and he had this dream when he was 17 years old, and he knew that this dream was from the Lord, and he knew that this dream revealed God's purpose and plans for his life. He knew that. He knew that. But he told his dream to who? To his brethren. He told his dream to his brethren and they hated him yet the more. They hated him yet the more. They already hated him because the father loved him. But now they can see this boy is going to be someone great. And he's not keeping quiet about it. He's talking about it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. They hated him yet the more. They hated him yet the more. Let's look at verse 6. The Bible says, And he, Joseph, said unto them, Here I pray you, this dream which I have dreamt. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheep arose, and also stood upright. And behold, your sheep stood around about, and made obeisance, bowed to my sheep. Yeah? And verse 9 says, And yet he dreamed another dream, and told it to his brethren. I said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. Jesus basically says, Hey guys, God told me to all of you, we bowed unto me someday. Ha ha ha. Okay, well, I'm making that up. He probably didn't do it. Ha 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 ha. But it must be, just imagine, put yourself in Joseph's Joseph shoes. You're a 17 year old child. You probably don't know nothing. You're a teenager. You probably thought you knew the world anyway, but you're a teenager, you don't know much, but you thought you knew you knew much, right? Okay, and you had this dream. I'm gonna be a great person someday. Next thing you knew, you tell calling family meeting. Hey guys, but we had this dream. Imagine you're gonna bow down to me, you're gonna bow down to me. But because they already hated him, they could not receive that. And they said, Are you indeed going to rule over us? But the first thing I want you to know here is that Joseph, at this point in time, when he was telling this dream, he didn't keep quiet about his dream. He talked about it, told it to his brothers. He knew that he was created for a divine purpose. Now, here's the thing I wanted to take away before we go further. God may not speak to you through a dream. He may not reveal to you through some vision the plan for your life. But it does not mean you don't have. It doesn't have a plan for your life. It doesn't mean that you are here by happenstance. It doesn't mean that you are here as a as a as a product of a mistake. No. God created you for a purpose. Say with me, I am created for a purpose. Say it like you mean it. I am created for a purpose. Now here's the thing: you may not have a dream, you may not have a vision, but there is a purpose for your life. Now, if you can make it a point of duty to seek in your heart, say, Father, reveal to me what my purpose is. Reveal to me what you created me to do. Reveal to me my purpose, my destiny, what I'm meant to do on this earth. Listen, God will reveal it to you. As long as you can live without knowing the will of God for your life, you will. Listen, if you are not fulfilled in what you're doing, 
even if things seem to be going well, but you don't feel fulfillment on the inside of you. Don't wait any longer. Don't settle for less. Go back to the drawing board and say, Daddy, what is your purpose for my life? Listen, the Bible makes it clear in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 verse 17, it says, Wherefore, don't be unwise, but understand the will of the Lord. The Bible says, if you don't understand the will of God for your life, you are being unwise. When you pursue what God has called you to do, when you pursue the vision in your heart, it will bring fulfillment. It will keep you on track. Jesus' vision kept him on track during the difficult times ahead. We'll talk about some of them today. We'll talk about some of them next week. I'll just go with the flow as well. God leads me. But I want to spend time talking about this vision because you can have you can be 50 year old today, 55, 60, 65, and you thought, oh man, I'm not fulfilled. I'm not I'm dissatisfied with life. And God is sending this message to, to from me to you to tell you you are not too old. You are not too old to pick up, pick it up again. I have had testimony of people who even got into ministry. I'm talking ministry as an example. At age, I think it was 50 or 60, 65. And they did ministry for, for 10, 15 years. But it was the most fulfilling 10, 15 years of their lives because they found their purpose at 50 or 60 at 65. It's not too late for you. Don't buy into the idea, oh, when you are 50, it's too old. When you are 60, it's too old. You can't do anything. No, that's a lie. I've told you this story before about this man that bought, that bought the McDonald's franchise. The man that came in to meet the McDonald's brothers and took the McDonald's franchise to become an international household name was a man that was a retired army um, I don't know, it was, it was a retired soldier. I don't know this, I can't remember his rank. Now. When I was a colonel in, in, in the army and when he got retired, right? And he came in and, he, and I think he was 65, if I'm not mistaken. And it was this man that was 65 years old that took this vision from the McDonald's brothers, brought, bought the, 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 the patent from them and took the vision of McDonald's to become an international franchise all over the world there's hardly any country that you get to today that you will not find a mcdonald's um office somewhere shop somewhere but it took somebody who was it was he was 65 in some country they will say 65 your life is over but it was 65 that this man was able to take this this mcdonald's uh, uh, business and make it global so don't let anybody tell you you're too old you, you, you can't do it. No, you can't. That's a lie. You are made in, in the image. You are made. You are created in the image and likeness of God. And you know what? The honor and the glory that God has placed upon your life do not diminish by virtue of age. No. You are crowned with glory and honor. That's what God says. Obviously, the, the best thing is for all of us to find out this purpose, this dream in our heart from a young age and just run with it. But for a whole lot of people, we don't. Right? Okay. But you can pick it up right now and begin to run. But if you are comfortable 
let's say you are you know you're not fulfilled with your life you're not fulfilled with what you're not happy with what you're doing with your life right now but you're comfortable just to let life go that's what you're gonna keep getting no change will happen again it goes back to what i said earlier about your responsibility in this matter but if you are tired and you want to make a change you want to say no god i don't want to leave without knowing my purpose i don't want to live life just going around in a circle i want to know what my purpose is what i meant what i meant to do then you will find it when you pursue your purpose your vision it will keep you on track when you face temptation in the future which you will this vision will keep you on track proverbs 29 verse 18 says where there is no vision people cast off restraint that's in the american standard version if you don't have a, a vision for your life you will just do anything your god-given dream your god-given purpose will inspire you will motivate you will help to restrain you to move in the wrong direction especially when do we move in the wrong direction when we cannot see evidence that what we are pursuing will come to pass i don't know whether this is this is your, your, your whether this is working for you whether this is hindering you for me i'm sharing this with you god's place in my heart i'm saying wow father i just want to thank you for that because see at times when you are pushing a dream and a vision as we would soon realize in the story of joseph in the beginning god gives you this vision it might take 10 years in the case of joseph it took 13 years from the time the vision was given before it became actualized the question is over these 13 years that joseph was there believing god for this vision that god showed him when he was a teenager and said god when is it going to come to pass what was he doing if he was not well grounded in this personal vision he would he would cast off restraint because later in, in, in the book of Genesis chapter 39, we saw that um, there was a lady who was the wife of his master, wanted to have sexual intercourse with Joseph. And Joseph had to run. And Joseph, had to, Joseph said, why would I do this evil thing against God? Why did Joseph say that? Because Joseph was focusing on the vision for his life. Where there is no vision. The people cast off restraint. People do whatever they want to do. If you say you want to become somebody great, you start to tell people in your family. If you come up from, from a family that are not supportive, don't be surprised that your fiercest opposition comes from those closest to you. That's what happened to Joseph. His brothers here says. His brothers, his brothers here say, verse 8 in the KJV, KJV version, shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. Why did they hate Joseph? For his dreams, for his words. They hated the fact that this boy at a young age knew what he was called to do. He also knew that this boy at a young age began to speak about what God has called him to do. They hated him for that. They hated him more for his dreams and for his words. But the dreams did not stop. God showed him again. God showed him again. And his, his, his father observed the matter. The brother envied him more. 
instead of them to celebrate and say, my brother is going to be a great person in this life. They envied him. You know, envy is a destructive emotion. Envy makes you to look at somebody else and look at what they have achieved. And you just despise it. And when you despise it, you despise it because you say, what do they have? You start to downgrade their success in your own mind to make you feel good. But what you're doing here is this. You have placed that person as the limitation of how far you can go in life. Forgetting one thing, that you are created uniquely with a gift for yourself. That right here where you are, watching this and listening to this, that is a gift buried on the inside of you that cannot be reproduced by somebody else. And therefore, knowing fully whether you are an original will not make you to, to envy or be jealous of anybody's success because you are an original. Let me tell you something. I tell the people a lot about this. I say, the vision in your heart is not the vision in my heart. The vision that God placed in your heart is not the one he placed in my heart. Why? Because in the tapestry of life, God has made each one of us the thread that he uses to weave the tapestry of life together. And each one of us performs our function in the tapestry called life. Therefore, I am not complete without you. You are not complete without me. Working together, we all grow together to create a beautiful picture of life for the world to see to the glory of God. So, my gift is not superior to your gift. Your gift is not superior to my gift. God has never created anyone who is useless. You may know how to sing. Another person may know how to draw. Other person may know how to speak. Other person may know how to dress a place up. Other person may know how to make a place look beautiful. But do you know every single one of these gifts is a manifestation of the beauty of our Father. The, the gift you have been given, my God, is a manifestation of the creativity of the one that created you. When you function in the gift that you have been called to do and you become a master in that gift, you know what, what happens? You are giving you your life is going to begin to give glory to God. What do I mean by that? When you function in what God has called you to do and you choose that part and you stay there and you become tenacious in it while you're not comparing yourself to another person, you know what will happen? You are going to be so good at what you do that kings, great men are going to be coming to look for you. And when they come to look for you and you are demonstrating this gift to them, you are giving glory to God. That, that's the reason why a life that did not master or maximizes the potential is a wasted life. If you have this potential and you don't maximize it, you don't engage with it, you let it to get wasted and then on the day of death you're about to go, you look back over your life, you can't say, oh man, but I've got this gift, I never utilize it. Then you have wasted that life, you have wasted that gift. You know the story about the, the parable of the talent? The parable of talent is an example of this. In the parable of the talent, there was a man that had this had servants, right? He gave one five talent, he gave another one two talent, he gave another one, one talent. 
The one that he gave five talents to, took the talent. The Bible said he went out and he did what? He did business with it. He took that factor, he went to trade with it. The one that had two did the same thing. The one that had one talent said, oh, I only have this little talent. But I know that my master is a hard man. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take this talent. I'm going to bury the talent. And when my master comes, I'm going to say, master, you know what? You gave me so small talent. I really didn't do anything. You know what I did? I just buried it. Guess what happened? Jesus Christ said, when the master came, because it's going to be a day of reckoning, where where the way to, to reckon, what did you do with what I gave you? Father Lord, I pray for you this morning and I pray for myself that even as you listen to this, you will identify, I know the vision for your life, the talent that God has given to you that is unique to you. You are not to compare yourself to your brother or to your sister or to your siblings or to people around you or even to your friends. You are uniquely gifted for what you are called to do. I pray for you in the name of Jesus that you will identify your gift you will stay in your gift. You'll be comfortable in your gift. You will work on your gift so much so that you can serve that gift to the ends of the earth, to the glory of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are not created as a copy of another. You are an original. You are an original. You are an original. Hallelujah. You are so original that there is no duplicate of you. You know your DNA is so unique that No other two people are like you on the face of the earth. No other two people are like you on the face of the earth. That's why you should not copy somebody else. Praise God. So, the first opposition that Joseph had was from the people in his family. Here is a word for somebody. Here's a word for somebody. You saw in your heart what God has called you to do. You saw in your heart what you have been called to do what you have been gifted to do you know it you talk about it you can see it in your heart when you when you talk about this thing or when you think about this thing that god has called you to to do there's a way you feel inside there's a warmth a warmth that fills your heart when you think about what god has called you to do when you think about these things that excite you you come alive on the inside but it seems to me that you are waiting for validation from people around you you are waiting for them to validate you if they say it's all right then you are going to do it god is asking me to tell you they are not there when i created you they are not there when i created you you don't need an you don't need an applause or validation from somebody else i am the one who validates you i am the one who placed that vision in your heart so rise up now and be and do and become what you are what you already are because i placed that vision on the inside of you hallelujah praise god look i don't think we're, we're going to finish this this is going to be a beautiful one if you just we're just going to go with the flow so in verse 8 they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words verse 11 and his brethren having envied him but his father observed the same all right so Joseph and his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem, verse 12. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. And he said to him, Go, I pray you, 
See whether it, it, it is well with your brother and, where, and with the flock and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of the Hebron and he came to Shechem. So the brothers told their fathers, to their father rather, that they are going to Shechem. That's where the father is planning to be in Shechem. Right? Now remember, Dave, uh, Joseph will bring word to his father about his brothers, you know, about what they were doing. Right? If you go back into the previous uh, scripture um, that we read in the beginning, I, I believe um, in verse 4. Sorry, it's in verse 2. Apologies. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought, on, brought unto his father their evil report. So these children always do what they always do evil he brought evil report about them okay now god the father says to him go and check them up where and bring me what about them let's see what they're doing what they're up to now now they told their father they're going to shechem but they were not in shechem when he came to shechem in verse 15 and a certain man found joseph sorry and joseph was wandering around because he couldn't find his brothers in the field and the man asked him who are you seeking what are you seeking he said to them, I'm looking for my brothers. Tell me, where are they? Where are they feeding the flocks? The man said, oh, this is your brother. They've left. I heard they are going toward Dothan. And Joseph went after his brother and found them in Dothan. Now, when they saw him from afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him and to slay him. And they said one, one to another, behold, this dreamer cometh. Right, that's where we're gonna stop. Behold, this dreamer comment. A couple of things I want to call out. A couple of things I want to call out. A couple of things I want to call out. Genesis chapter 37. Yeah, in verse 19, they said, Behold, this dreamer comment. People may mock you behind your back, they may say to you, Oh, look, he has come again. Always building castle in the hair. But I want you to know they are doing this out of envy. Why? Because God has called you and chosen you. And you have chosen now from this day to follow your dream and not the bandwagon. Because that's what you have chosen. People will speak behind your back. The people closest to you they are the ones that will be challenged by your vision. They will say to you, stop dreaming. Stop building castle in the hair. I'm asking you today, please ignore them. God did not show the vision to them. God did not show your vision to your siblings, to your friends, to your co-worker. He showed the vision to you. You do not need their approval. You do not need to say, hey, yeah, go ahead. No, who are they? They are human beings. The only approver that you need is your father, your father God. And he has approved you. He placed that vision in your heart. So go out and prosper. Point number two I want to make from the life of Joseph, based on what we've covered so far. Verse 19. Behold this dreamer comment. You know, this statement is so laden with spite. 
is so laden with envy and jealousy. Remember, the boy brings evil report, as we see in verse 2. The father said, go and check with your brother. They should be in second, feeding the flock. They have gone. They became irresponsible and just they just become rambunctious and just do whatever. But this boy, Joseph, was following the narrow path, was obedient child, doing the right thing. And guess what they call him? Behold, the dreamer cometh. And if you look in verse 20, because of, because of time, I'll pick it up next week. They said, let us kill him and let us see what will become of his dream. If you think about what this guy is, what is going on in this guy's mind, this wickedness. People will speak behind your back. They will say to you, who do you think you are that you can dream? You have that dream in your heart. They will say to you, who do you think you are, you, you are that you can dream? Has anybody in your family ever done that before? Oh, so you want to start a company and become an entrepreneur? Who in your company, who in your family has done that before? Is it not you that you are, that you are Joseph's son, the, the son of the carpenter? Now you are coming to do miracles here. That's what they told Jesus. You know that, right? When Jesus guys started showing doing miracles, they commonized him. They look and say, is it not you that we know you? What, what would you think you are? I want you to remember, the world will try to do that to you. They will try to commonize your dream, your vision that God has placed in your heart. And if you remember that it is the scheme of the devil to distract you from the pathway that God has given you, it will help you to stay grounded. It will help you not to see, try to seek approval from somebody else and say, unless my father, unless my father and my mother approves this vision in my heart, or unless um, my friends approves, unless they put me in their cockles and put their hands around me, I'm not going to follow my dream. I just want to be accepted by everybody else. No, 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 sir. No, ma. You are not called to be accepted by everybody. Not everybody in the world will like you. Not everybody in the world will love you. Not everybody will love, in, in, in the world will pat your back. No, follow your dream. Follow what God has called you to do. That dream in your heart that never, that never lets go. That way you feel on the inside. When you think about certain things that you want to become in the future, when you, when you close your eyes and you take to dream about your future, that period that never goes away, that is always there, that warms your heart, that is what it is that God has called you to do. Follow it. Don't wait for anybody's approval. You have been given approval by today by God. Go and prosper in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, Stay with me as you go through the life of Joseph because there's a lot of things that we're going to learn. I learned 16 things, 16 things from the life of Joseph up until the time he was shown the dream to the time he became prime minister that I'm going to be sharing with you. Maybe over the next three weeks, four weeks, I don't know how long God is going to take, but please stay with me on this pathway of vision because it's very important. Remember, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. My prayer to you, as we go here, is you will go back to the drawing board. You will ask God and say, Daddy, what is the vision for my heart? Like I told you, I have three, three tools that I will show you in the course of this teaching on how to find a vision for your life. But it's very simple, simple, simple tools that you can just simply, you have to believe by faith and ask, Daddy, what is it? And God will show you. God will show you either through a dream, it will show you through the way you feel on the inside, the what glows your heart, what warms your heart. Vision is beyond money. Vision is not about how much money is in your bank account. Vision is purpose. That which makes you to come alive, to, that makes you feel wholesome on the inside. That is what you've been called to do. Hallelujah. People of God, you are not here to play. It's not a dress rehearsal. 
This is the real deal. You, we are here on this earth once. After that, we go to meet with Jesus. And then in the, in the future, many, many years, which I don't know, we are going to come back here on the earth. But we're not going to come back on the earth again to be doing like this. We're going to come in a different form, on a different assignment. But this one life that we have, let's make it count. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. If you just close your eyes for a moment, I want to pray with you. In the book of Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void. And darkness covered the surface of the deep. But God said, God said, the Bible said, God said, let there be light. Which means before God could create, he had to bring light into darkness. In fact, this yesterday morning when I was doing prayers, I used this scripture to pray. And when I found that in the book of Genesis chapter 1, actually in the, um, let me see if I can bring it up. I'll guys, get my guys to bring it up. In Genesis chapter 1, uh, let me see. I want to show you a pattern that I saw. I, I, because I want to use that to pray for you. Pray, pray for you. Genesis chapter 1. Uh, yes. Genesis chapter 1 verse, verse 1 to 2 to 3. The Bible says in the Amplified Version, In the beginning God, Elohim, created by forming from nothing, the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, or a waste and emptiness, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Then the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, notice something, a pattern here. The earth was formless, that's one, and void, two, or a waste, and emptiness, right? And darkness. So you see, the earth was, has no shape, is hollow, empty, right? And then darkness covered the face of the deep. Formless, no shape, hollow, empty, darkness one formless the next one is hollow empty the next one is darkness but what did god do first god brought light into that darkness he brought what filled he filled the emptiness he caused a shape to come to the formlessness of the earth god reversed what was present but how did he do that the first thing he did first was what to bring light Light means revelation. God brought revelation first before he could feel the emptiness, before he could shape the formless. I want to pray for you that in your life, if there's darkness, if there's emptiness, if there's formlessness right now, that by the unction of the Holy Ghost, I decree over your life for every darkness, Light of God shines over your life and shines over your path that you have clarity. I pray for you in the name of Jesus Christ that the eyes of your understanding is now being enlightened by the glory and the mercy and the goodness of God. That you have revelation, clarity about what your future is. That you will not go around and around and around in circle and stumble in darkness. In the name of Jesus, I pray for you that every emptiness and every void that is in your life right now will be filled to the overflow by the power and the might of God. In everywhere where you are going through pain and void and emptiness, where you feel lost, I decree in the name of Jesus Christ that the Lord will restore you back in the name of Jesus Christ that in this year of prosperity and stability, the Lord will fill your heart to overflow with his 
is fullness, with his fullness, that there's no emptiness in your life, that every void is filled by the unction of the Holy Ghost. I pray for you in a way where you feel that your life is out of shape, that God will cause stability to come to your life in the name of Jesus Christ, that you will understand that you have been created for greatness, that greatness is your inheritance and your birthright in the name of Jesus Christ. I speak prophetically over your life. Be filled, be filled. Your life takes shape and direction now and light emanates light shines upon your path in the name of jesus thank you heavenly father lord we give you praise in jesus name we pray hallelujah until next week remember you're blessed and highly favored i'll speak to you later god bless you thank you for your time and for spending part of your weekend with us we appreciate the time you have taken to worship with us today both our first timers and members this February, we are currently on the self-leadership series. So join us every Sunday by 8 a.m. UK time and be blessed. Our weekly Bible hangout holds on Wednesdays by 6 p.m. UK time and Saturday morning prayers by 6 a.m. UK time on Zoom. Every first Wednesday of the month, we hold our Practicalities of Grace program. This program answers questions from the point of view of grace and our identity in Christ. What questions do you need answers to? You can send them to the live chat on the website www.thelighthouse.org or you can send an email to lightsatthelighthouse.org. For love offering, you can give via PayPal by scanning the QR code on the screen or by making a bank transfer to 0564189. Sub code zero eight seven one nine nine Cash Pulse Bank. The details is also on the screen. Would you like us to pray with you? Please click on the link that pops up in the live chat, then fill the form, or you can visit our website www.thelighthouse.org to fill the request form. You can now have a private session with Pastor Davis on Calendly. Visit the link in the website or in the discussion box and follow the instructions to book a session. Stay connected with us across the social media platforms on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All you have to do is type in the usernames being displayed on the screen and then click on follow. Throughout this week, remember, the Lord has promised us stability and prosperity. Until next time, remain your identity in Christ. Hallelujah. My name is Debbie Zwamigoye. I am recording this message to try and appeal to um, members of the Lighthouse Digital Church from wherever you are. If you have been blessed by our message or you have listened to any of our messages before, or maybe you're stumbling on our channel and you are seeing this video for the first time, I'm recording this to try and seek an appeal from you that in the church we are raising money for those who have been affected by uh, the earthquake issue in, 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 in town between the border of Syria and Turkey. As I last count that I checked, over 3,000 people have died. People who slept one night. And by the next time, they woke up in, on the other side. You know, uh, there were children being pulled out of the rubble. Two-year-old children, eight-year-old children. There was a particular incident of a child 
who had to drink his own urine for many days to survive. These were people, or these are people, who did not plan for that. There was no reckoning in their booking on the on January the 1st this year that said, you know what, I'm just going <laughs> to want an article to wipe off my family. You know, so we're appealing to you to donate whatever God is laying in your heart to give. The Lighthouse Church is partner with it's going to it's going to partner with the Red Cross and DEC um, uh, uh, to try and you know give this fund that we, we're raising and give it to this uh, charity organization that on ground in Turkey to try and help people that have been displaced. So again, so if God is laying in your heart to give, you will see the account number on the screen. Do give to the cause. Everything will be transparent. You can also go and give on the website. We're going to have a page on the website up and running. If it's not up and running now, it's going to be up and running in the near future. Uh, when you have the moment, God pray. God, as you are proposing your heart, the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. But, uh, but give as you propose in your heart. If it's five pounds that you can give, it's ten pounds you can give. We're going to put all that together and send out to these charities. And then we'll let you know how your money is dispersed. God bless you as you do that.